Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Mark Bell's Power Project Podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Element Electrolytes. And Seema, can you tell me why electrolytes are so important for a keto, low-carb, or even a carnivore diet? Well, first off, you guys know that Mark has done almost like every single diet on the planet. (laughs) He's done low-carb. He's done keto. He's done carnivore. He's done the carnivore a lot. And um, he mentioned to me how electrolytes have been pretty damn beneficial for him, as they have for me. So follow me here, guys. We're going to go on a little ride of why electrolytes, specifically element electrolytes, are so important for low-carb keto or carnivore athletes. So when you eat low-carb, your insulin levels drop. Low insulin means the lower production of a hormone aldosterone now aldosterone is made in the kidneys and that helps you retain sodium you see sodium super important so low aldosterone on a keto diet or carnivore diet makes you lose sodium at a rapid rate and when you lose too much sodium you develop low sodium symptoms like headaches low injury low energy muscle cramps and insomnia aka the keto flu in turn, you feel like crap, you cramp up, and you don't perform well, which is why you need some electrolytes in your life. It will make a big difference, as it has for Mark, as it has for me, as it has for Andrew. Check it out. <laughs> if you guys want to thrive on a low-carb, a keto, or even a carnivore diet, please head over to drinklmnt.com slash powerproject. Make sure you guys check out the value bundles. You get to pick your three favorite flavors. And then you even get a free box after that. So again, please head over to drinklmnt.com slash power project. Hello. What's up? Everything, man. Just uh, yeah, back from a Trump rally. <laughs> Where was that? By <laughs> Great way? way to start off the show. Huh? <laughs> Everyone's like, click. So clicked off the show. If you are voting for Trump, hit that like button. <laughs> if you are not voting for Trump, hit that like button. That's right. <laughs> uh, it was in uh, Nevada. We were in, um, I don't know where the hell I was in Nevada, but it was somewhere. I believe your Twitter said Carson City. Oh, yeah, there you go. Carson City. I have a a squat rack in Carson City. You have a squat rack? I used to to train uh, somebody with uh, Ben Alderman. The guy's name alludes me for the moment, but he owns a gym in Carson City. And I just had an extra squat rack. And so I gave it to him. It's like one of our original ones. It's It's a yellow squat rack. Oh, wow. That was with us from the very beginning. I need to go back and take it. <laughs> I need to take it back. This is what we're talking about. Here. Yeah. Let's see where uh, where'd it go. So shout out to uh, Trump Jr. and some of his peeps for getting me uh, some tickets. And and uh, luckily enough, uh, my brother and I were able to get uh, Donald Trump's attention. And uh, he pointed to our jackness. That's so funny, dude. <laughs> yeah, I put it up, posted it on Twitter. We're playing it right now on our show right now. <laughs> He's like, hey. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like, if he, you know, got, like, informed, like, before he went up there, like, hey, there's some, like, kind of, like, I guess what his, his security guys said that, because um, all his security guys are fans. Oh, really? And uh, one guy actually was like, I was watching uh, Sarmagosa. (laughs) 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 He's like, I was just watching it the other day. It was like uh, all all the security people, they're all really jacked. Yeah. Like really jacked where you're like, like one guy's bigger than the next. You're like, holy shit. The only better be if they're trying to protect the president. I know, right? And they're like, uh, like I saw one guy and he's like, oh, what's up? He's like, Bell Brothers. And he like took a picture with us and he's like. He's like, you got to go over there and see that guy. See that Jack guy over there? Like, you got to go see him. He's a huge fan. I'm like, okay. And we went over to that guy. And then the next guy would be like, you got to go over to that guy over there. He's, a, he's an even bigger fan. I'm like, everybody was, uh, everybody was huge. We're like, what's going on here? 
That's, that's crazy. Awesome. That's so funny. But they said that, uh, like, they, we think he likes it that way. We think, think that he likes uh, everybody to be Jack. So it's some sort of prerequisite to get the job, I guess. You have to be, though. Like, you yeah. can't be, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, gotta have, you gotta have a look. You gotta look intimidating or else, I mean, shit. And then he had a Secret Service guy with him that probably was, like, 6'8". This guy was this guy was a real beast. Mm-hmm. Like damn, um, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, to uh, I don't know, just to see like you know, I got to see Trump Jr. like two weeks ago, and it's just way different. Like this is the fucking president, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the precautions that they take. I mean, he he flew over top um, on his on the Air Force One deal, and uh, I think it was too big to land at the airport that we were at. I mean, the thing's massive. It's a very small airport, um, and with the amount of people there, I don't think they were trying to land it there, but so he landed somewhere else and then drove in. Um, but there's like, you know, helicopters flying overhead. They keep kind of circ- circling around, making sure everything's cool, and there's fucking snipers <laughs> like up on these, like uh, on top of these buildings. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, look, those guys are like setting up. They're probably getting like camera shot. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, no. you're like, oh, oh no. okay. Setting up guns. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. wow. And it, it's kind of intimidating because you're like, they're probably like, they probably zoomed in on me a couple times like to check. Is that like, Mark Bell? Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they probably do. They probably do check S- on signaling each. Signaling to the other sniper. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this guy is suspicious, right? <laughs> You probably kind of zoom in on each person to kind of give them a once over, you yeah. know, kind of look at everybody. Yeah, I'd imagine. I mean, did the thought like go through your head where like they're definitely working for the president, right? Like, mm-hmm. right? We, we all like check the <laughs> right, IDs. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we know these are the right people, yeah. in the right spots. Oh, man. Yeah, and they're all communicating, you know, with each other on the earpieces mm-hmm. and stuff. And Dude, it didn't look like there was like. Cut. I don't mind it, but it looked like everyone was just kind of packed together, right? Oh, there's thousands of people. <laughs> yeah. COVID doesn't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one, no one cares. I saw that card. I was like, it's so funny. Yeah. It's, it's Nevada, though. Yeah, it's true. But, Are there different restrictions in Nevada? Like, yeah, yeah there's yeah. Le- a, little, less, a little less. That's yeah. nice. But I'm just curious, and just because like, I, I don't follow you know anything with politics, <laughs> but like, what's the point of a rally? Because I would assume... Everyone that's going is already fired up to vote for Trump mm-hmm. uh, by going to this. Yeah, and a large percentage of people already voted, too. Right. So, like, is it just to, I don't know, show that you support him so that we can maybe convince other people? Or is it? Uh, well, what, so what people will say about Trump in particular is they'll just say he's narcissistic mm-hmm. and that he just loves to hear himself talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he just like I think he just likes to work. I think he's a workaholic. Mm-hmm. I think he just, you know, that's what I mean. That's what I saw from him um, and just. You know, doing all these different, I mean, he's there, he talked for like 90 minutes or almost two hours and he came from uh, somewhere else in California on the same day and stuff. So I think he's just, I don't think he knows any other way than to like be forceful, you know, and you see that with everything that he does. Sometimes it's to a fault. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not, you know, not to the, not in his best interest, but uh, I think that's just the way that he uh, does stuff. So the rally is really just to, I think, um, obviously you're not trying to like sway people because they're already for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just to hype people up, get people excited. And um, and I think it's just even, it's more practice and it's more uh, of him just, you know, getting his information out there. Because he talked, I was telling you, like he just talked kind of randomly about <laughs> all kinds of stuff. It wasn't really, there was politicalness behind it, but it wasn't like politically charged. 
um, he wasn't volatile. He wasn't aggressive. Like he was super passive and just went up there and just talked. And yeah, he, every once in a while he would, you know, throw in a joke and mess around. But like I was telling you, he's talking about like water pressure and he was just like water pressure. Yeah. He's like, how frustrating is it? You know, to wash your dishes and like, they don't get clean. You know, he's <laughs> like, you ever wonder why that happens more and more nowadays. And then he talked about taking a shower and, um, Wait, so he, talked, <laughs> and he talked about like how many times people have to flush the toilet to get the toilet to work and all these different things. And the reason why he talked about this is because okay, we're getting to because of all the restrictions that they put uh, on these products to try to conserve water. And he's like, that's what California is going to be hit with next is you guys will have a water. You know, they'll, he's like, they do it just about every year. Mm-hmm. He's like, they threaten you with a drought. He's like, you have plenty of water. But one of the reasons why he said that it happens is because you have to run your dishwasher five times just to get it to work mm-hmm. correctly. Damn. And so, mm. okay, I get you know, some of, and he was just like, Oh, you know, he's like, you got to do what you got to do. He's like, I take those restrictions off or take those restrictors off. And he was just, <laughs> you know, pointing to stuff like that. And then he's, you know, obviously he's, he's selling himself. So he's like, mm-hmm. you know, talking about how he talks to different energy companies and how he's pulling all these strings and pulling all these levers and getting all this work done. It's hard to, it's hard to say, it's hard to tell who's doing what or who's doing anything. Um, and so, but when it comes to politics, I think that's why a lot of people choose to just be like, ah, you know what, I'm just going to stay out of it because I don't know what's true. And um, I try to follow some of it and I don't have any idea what's true. I don't have any, you know, I do like Trump. I've been a fan of him since I was a kid. My whole family has been. I've talked about that before. Um, and some people get uh, charged up about that. But I don't know what's true about him, wh- whether he's done things great or whether he's done things. I don't have any real, real knowledge to know. And I don't know how I would know because I don't know what resource I would go to to find out because <laughs> everything seems to be so biased one way or the other. So it's hard to say. Yeah. So moving forward, next topic, uh, now that political news is over, <laughs> uh, we have Nick Shaw on the podcast today. Pretty fired up. Yeah. Um, he's been around for a long time and uh, he got RP strength going. I think a lot of people have heard of that before. Um, he's helped a ton of people with their nutrition um, and also with programming. And then what I think is great is that he's taken a lot of other great coaches and surrounded himself with those great coaches. And they've, they've helped thousands upon thousands of people. And he's turned it into an awesome and profitable business. So it'd be great to kind of talk to him a little bit about the business side of it, too, and figure out how the hell he got it all going. Yeah, I heard about RP Strength years ago. I started seeing a lot of it. People on Instagram post about it. I'm guessing athletes that were like working with them, but it's uh, it's really grown a lot since. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's like crazy. I didn't realize how big they were until recently. Like I knew they were big, but not mm-hmm. like tens of thousands of athletes, like people using the app big. Yeah, and, and I know like you know algorithms and whatnot, but like as far as social media goes, but I just feel like every single time I open up some kind of social media i see something with the rp diet or the rp strength mm. program and dude it's it's nuts i've been using it for the past i think two weeks now how do you like it it's very intuitive i like it a lot um i i don't, I don't want to say anything bad about them but it is really cool to be able to text you to be like hey i'm not gaining weight or i am gaining weight mm. versus this one you it kind of takes your whole week and it, not averages it but like it, it looks at the data and it's like hey like this previous week, it's like you didn't gain any weight and your meals have been on point. We're going to have to add more, you know, calories to your every single meal. And it's not like, uh, when you track something, it's not, uh, like, uh, it's not necessarily if it fits your macros, it kind of tells you what you need to be eating. Mm. It's really cool. Like, 
per meal versus, you know, per, I don't know, like just daily caloric intake. So it works a little bit like a coach. Like it, if you give, very give, much, the, yes. give the product the information, then it spits it back out to you. Correct. Yeah. I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people huge. make with coaches. They don't give them enough information, you know, like someone has uh, someone like Enseema program for them and don't tell them that they hurt their back. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I haven't seen much progress on my deadlift. And they're not sharing with you everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> What's up, guys? Hey. What's happening? Not too much. All right. Great to have you on the show today. Yeah, likewise, man. Thanks for having me on. And congratulations with all the success. We've uh, heard a lot about RP Strength uh, over the years. How long you guys uh, been in business? How long you been going for? We have been around since about 2012. So a while. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what got you started? It's not, I'm just a meathead. So it's Dr. <laughs> Mike, man. You guys had him on not too long ago. We were just a couple of meatheads. We, we met in college and we just love to lift. I'm sure you guys know it. I mean, it just kind of drives your passion. That's what gets you started. And it's no secret. We just... We liked uh, writing diet and training programs for people, and that's what we said we were going to do. And we didn't really have any huge grand ambitions. It just sort of grew naturally. And, hey, here we are almost a decade later. Knock on wood. Did you see some uh, holes in the fitness community maybe where you thought maybe things could be done a little bit better? Yeah. So one of our things early on was, you know, Dr. Mike, he's got the PhD in sport physiology, all that good stuff. So he had a pretty good idea that if we paid a little bit more attention to the evidence-based recommendations when it comes to diet and training that, Hey, maybe that's a little bit better route to go, uh, maybe a little bit more efficient. And we, we always wanted to stick with that. And that's kind of always been our, our thing. And it seems to have worked really well for people. And we actually were in New York city for a while as trainers and we noticed all these really, um, you know, really talented people, the way they were doing things. And we're like, wow, that's really interesting. It's like really different from what we're doing. And that just really drew our interest even more. It was like, well, what are, you know, what are they doing? Why are they doing it that way? You know, could they potentially get better results if they tweak something, if they did something different? And so that kind of led our curiosity. Again, this was like 2009 or so when we were in New York City. So a while back. Before nutrition and training were even invented. <laughs> <laughs> and nowadays yeah for sure it seems like that uh one of the funny things too is uh you know we when we got started you know it's, i don't even think instagram existed like, i'm not even sure like that's how long ago it was you can't even think like it's hard to think back now right what uh what gave you the idea for the name renaissance periodization so hindsight's twenty twenty, right Maybe we would have picked a different name had we known. Because, like, can you even spell it? I can barely spell it myself. Dr. Mike can barely spell it. Yeah. I, had a, I had a hard time sending out the email because I'm like, I'm going to mess this up. For I know sure. there's a couple of U's in there. <laughs> and an I somewhere. I, yeah, totally. You got me. Like, that's why I go to Google and I type in the first couple letters. And, you know, thank God it auto-populates. I'm like, okay, good. I'll click that one. But, uh, you know, that's why I went with RP Strength. So, you know, real quick story there. Um, you know, Renaissance kind of like the rebirth and again, we wanted to be evidence-based. We thought that there's a lot of people just kind of doing things because, you know, whatever reason, you know, whatever it was. And so that was part of it. That's where Renaissance came from. The periodization is a bit cooler because it's sort of the, the logical sequencing of different phases to, you know, set the next one up for success, right? So 
you know, if you want to compete in powerlifting, you know, you're probably not doing sets of 10, you know, the, the day before the week before you're yeah. competing. Right. I mean, I don't hopefully not or whatever, but you know, <laughs> that's kind of the idea. That's where periodization came from. Rewinding real quick back to New York. Um, you, you mentioned that the people there that were doing things differently. And it seemed like when you said that you said they were doing things differently in a positive manner, or did you mean that they were doing things differently? Like, Oh, that was weird. Different. Both. Okay. Both. So, yeah, this was, you know, a decade. This is a decade. Ago, yeah. so we didn't really know because we're like, they look better than us. So obviously they must be doing something right. And we're like, well, what is that something? And then that's like, that's what drew the curiosity to sort of look into it more and be like, is it better? Is it worse? Is there, maybe there's some things that we can pick up from these people because, well, they look a lot better than us. They're a lot stronger than us too. So again, it'd be silly to kind of step back and make, Oh, your stuff's totally stupid. Like we're going to ignore all of it. Eh, there's probably some good stuff we can gain from it. So it's kind of both. What kind of stuff did you pick up then? Like, I'm just I'm real curious about that. So I guess just, you know, sticking to the basic compound movements, okay. right? Like you would just watch these guys train, and, you know, they weren't using a lot of cables and all this accessory stuff. I mean, sometimes they would, but, you know, the first and foremost thing they were always doing was they were hitting the big lifts. And it's like, okay, well, that kind of fits with what we thought was probably the, the best idea. And we're like, okay, that's that's a good sign. Um, you know, we kind of accidentally stumbled upon the idea of deloading sort of by accident. And we were like, hey, if we keep going, you know, really heavy deadlifts a few weeks in a row – and we start to fall off and feel like crap. Mm-hmm. And we're like, but you know, last week we kind of scaled it down because we were feeling like crap. And now this next week we actually did really well. We're like, huh, I wonder if there's something to that. And, you know, I just start talking to more people and, you know, talking to more power lifters and they're like, yeah, you know, sometimes we'll do that. And it's like, okay, well maybe that's something we need to think about. And then, you know, Dr. Mike went on to get his PhD at uh, East Tennessee state. And, you know, that's where he learned a lot more. And it's like, well, that's actually a pretty well supported thing that's it's a good idea to, do, to actually do cool. when did uh you guys look around and think that maybe this would be an app versus because i'm sure you maybe started out thinking that you would help coach people and then all of a sudden i don't know technology maybe caught up to what you guys were thinking in your head but like what was the transition there if there was a transition i should say there there's always a transition yeah. <laughs> so we started we started with one-on-one coaching then that's all we did that's kind of all we thought we were going to do and then we did an ebook and we're like, wow, this is, this is really interesting. And funny enough, like we actually sold it um, through Chad Wesley Smith's site in like 2014, this was a real long time ago. We, we didn't even really have like our own site where we could host all that stuff. Like that's how you know, not even advanced we were at that time. Mm. And again, that sort of opened our eyes like, hey, this digital product thing is probably a pretty good route to go. And so then we started to pivot like, well, how can we take this one-on-one coaching model that we're doing, but obviously it's not super scalable, right? Because if you're a coach, like how many clients can you work with? Let's say it's a hundred, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Like how do you go from hundreds to potentially thousands or, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. So that was what we were trying to figure out. And we go, Hey, let's try this idea of the diet templates. And we created these really ugly Excel files in like 2015. People kind of liked them. They started to get results. We're like, we might be onto something. And that was sort of setting the stage for, okay, well, this is a good model. We, we kind of know it's going to work. We kind of knew long-term, maybe the app is a good way to go. I don't know if you guys know much about software development. It is tough. It is long and hard and it is tough. I'll just say that. And so again, like we, we thought early on, it just took forever to build though. It's a really complicated thing. 
when companies like yourself started to come around and people started talking about programming, I was so confused. I got to be honest, because I was like, why the fuck do people need help with their workout? Like, I don't, I kind of didn't, I kind of didn't get it to be totally honest. And it, when I heard the word programming, I was like, do people need help with their computer? Like what, <laughs> what's programming even mean? Because like when I was, when I was growing up in the sport and in powerlifting and bodybuilding, you just got like shown something by somebody else. You had like a mentor, you had like a guide and that's how you found out about it. But what sucked about that is it was like secretive. And you couldn't really learn. And so like a lot of the stuff that you guys have done and some other companies that have come before, come before you and, and as since after you um, have really shown people the way and you give people a great product, you deliver a product where not only are they lifting kind of under your tutelage, but they're learning, they're learning the reasons why they're doing it. And I think that that's really important. They're getting programming and they're seeing like, okay, I'm doing this for two weeks. And then the third week I kind of, you know, have a deload and, and so on. And they learn their nutrition, they learn their diet. And so they learn what I think is really beneficial is they learn tools that they can carry on because if you just, you know, it's kind of like the teach the man, the fish type thing. If you just show someone like a couple of movements and stuff like that, they can't really be very difficult for them to grow. It's going to be very difficult for them to learn and for them to have the knowledge base to really move forward and to get the health and nutrition the strength that they need, but with programming and having somebody kind of guiding you through it after you do it for a while, um, it just gets more and more, it gets easier to understand it as you move forward. Yeah, totally. Again, that was kind of the whole idea of the templates. So it's like a do it yourself approach. Yeah. Not everyone can afford coaching. Not everyone's going to stick with coaching for years or, you know, even more than a couple of months, because it's just not a realistic option. But again, if you give people, you know, maybe they do start with coaching, but now they know that they work with a coach. Now they sort of know, all right, well, now I can do it myself. You know, why do I want to pay $200 a month if I can, you know, use an app or a template that's, you know, roughly $10 a month or $15 a month? Like it just makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I think you nailed it. Sounds great. In terms of the software programming aspect of things, um, you said that that was just like a very arduous process. What kind of people did you guys like have to bring on for that to happen? And like, what did you have, like, did you have to learn a lot of stuff on the software end of things? Or did you just bring people in to help build out the idea? I know it's probably super complicated to try to explain, but if you can help us out here. <laughs> it takes people much, much smarter than myself. Much, much smarter than myself. So um, we basically, and it's a funny story because we failed a couple of times. Like it just, it took a really long time and you just run into people that will sort of promise you everything in the world and they just can't deliver. And then it just gets really frustrating. And uh, what happens, funny story was eventually we had someone that was using RP for a really long time and he reached out to us and he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm into software. Like, I think I can help you guys out. And at this point we were just, we didn't really know what to do because we were just, things just weren't going well, just having a hard time with it. Cause it's, it's a pretty complicated process when you get into all the algorithms behind the scenes and you know, Dr. Mike sort of does all that stuff. But uh, it was really funny because he knew what, what he wanted because he was, he was a lifter. Like he understood it. And so it just, that made the process a lot easier because we ran into a lot of software folks that didn't know anything about fitness. And so you're trying to explain to them like what exactly you want something to do. It just goes way over their head. And they're like, you know, it's, it was, it was really difficult. So yeah, I don't necessarily have a, a ton to do with, with that aspect. Uh, just more like the, the business aspect, but uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's really long. It's really complicated. It's going to take some, you know, 
data science is going to take some, um, you know, just engineers basically. So we have, we've got a team of engineers that work on it because what happens is an app basically becomes like a living organism. It's not like you just build it and you set it and forget it and that's it. It's like, no, there's always stuff coming up. Apple, Google are always throwing in new updates. Like you can't just sit back and go, oh, I'll hope for the best. It doesn't work like that. Mm. So you got to be on top of it all the time. Yeah, you mentioned uh, going with Chad Wesley Smith uh, early on. I think, you know, this is a... a a learning process for a lot of people when they're getting into business, you're not sure what to do. And you mentioned you guys didn't feel like you were advanced enough to really go out and do it on your own. You know, looking back at things like that, would you have just maybe done things on your own? Or do you think it was good to kind of learn to go through that process to, you know, have uh, someone like Chad to kind of maybe learn from, pick up some information from, and then be able to move on from there? It was perfect to have someone like him because he was already doing it. He was already selling eBooks and stuff. I mean, you, know, you guys know Chad really well. Uh, yeah, and Sima kicked his ass. Yeah, I wasn't up. sure if I can bring that name up. Like, no, we we love we love Chad like, for sure, for sure. Yeah, he's a super nice dude, and uh, you know we're still really good friends with him now. And yeah, it was really great because he kind of showed us the ropes. And he's like, "Hey, here's kind of how we do it. Like, here's how we price things." And we we're like all right, we'll, we'll take your word for it. Like, let's run. Let's just kind of get it out there and see how it goes. And, you know, it's funny looking back, like our original ebook, we look like, uh, I look back at the quality now and I laugh. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, was, the, the information was good. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Like, the quality of it was, was, was not so great. I don't know, like, Mark, do you, do you think that when you look back, like some of the first stuff you ever designed, you're like, huh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everything's, you're always yeah. working on trying to make a better product and make things better for people. I mean, the first batch of slingshots i made they uh turned people's skin red <laughs> which was not the desired result that we were looking for <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah no it, it's definitely good to you know befriend or have a mentor like that that can show you the ropes i can think it's hugely valuable uh having been you know in the industry for a long time and being around fitness for uh as long as you have and you helped a lot of people get healthier. Um, what are some of your thoughts with, um, without being like controversial or anything, but like, what are your thoughts on like COVID-19 and, and some things that people can safeguard themselves with in terms of fitness, just to be healthier, not to necessarily escape COVID necessarily, but to escape viruses and just to be healthy overall. Yeah. So again, there's some like basic stuff and, and maybe we'll get into this a tad later, but there's a whole idea of like internal versus external locus of control. Like if you have more of an internal locus of control, like you're going to take charge, you're going to do things. You want to take action because you believe you can influence certain outcomes. And so again, like if you have that mindset and you are into fitness, like you're already probably healthier than the normal average person. Again, if you are being mindful of your nutrition, again, one way or the other, right? Like as long as you're eating mostly high quality foods, you're on the right track. If you're exercising, you're on the right track. You're probably going to have a stronger immune system. And it's funny because you just don't see that anywhere in sort of the mainstream media. Like they're never talking about that. It's like, why aren't we talking more about that? Because this is something that would help pretty much universally every single person out there. I, I don't know. Like it's always been weird for me. I don't know. Maybe people just don't want to do it because it's hard. That's maybe a little bit different conversation to have, but it's a no brainer. We should be telling everyone to sort of get out and exercise. It doesn't even have to be crazy exercise. That's the thing. Get out and walk. 
you know, go walk outdoors. I mean, one, you get in nature, that's probably good by itself. And then you're doing some activity and don't eat a bunch of junk food. I mean, that seems like common sense, but you know, that's easier said than done, I suppose. How about the external locus of control you're talking about? Is that more so that you kind of, you don't have control of like external outcomes or like, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. It sort of, sort of means like things happen to you. Mm. Nothing you do can really impact that result. Um, a good example might be, so if you think back to like world war one and, you know, so you're like in trench warfare, you don't have much say over what's happening. You're being bombarded. You're being shelled. You're just kind of sitting there hoping for the best basically. Whereas like, you had, if you could take more action, again, like maybe plan to go around, you know, the, the flank or like do something. But if you're told, hey, just sit here while they're going to, you know, <laughs> bomb us, basically. Well, that kind of sucks because you're just hoping for the best and you have no control over it. And that usually gives people more of this feeling of like helplessness. And then if you feel you can't do anything to impact your outcome, what are you going to do? You're probably not going to take action in the first place. How important is it to get around like-minded people? Because uh, you and Mike seem very, very similar in a lot of ways. Just in uh, when Mike was on the show, it was um, he made everything sound so simple, and it, and it really is. And, uh, and unfortunately, I think people want some complicated answer about you know don't eat carbs, or they want some sort of like I don't know magic thing to happen. But it is you know a lot of this is very simple. When you break it down, you treat yourself well and you, you kind of have normal, healthy practices and you're going to be a pretty damn healthy person. How important has it been for you uh, to surround yourself with like minded people for your business? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, Mike's a super talented guy, super smart guy. One of his strengths is the ability to take this what can be seen as complex break it down into really simple information. Like that's always been one of his strengths. You know, he was a professor. I used to set in on some of his classes here and there. And it was just, it was great to see because I mean, I don't know. I remember sitting in college and sometimes that stuff would just go way over my head. I'd be bored. I'd be, you know, thinking about 10 other things, but you know, he's pretty engaging all that good stuff. So it's super important. And, you know, truth be told, like Mike's been my number one mentor. So, you know, like he sort of recruited me way back in college to, get into powerlifting. And I was like, okay, like that sounds fine. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't. But again, he's kind of always been there. So yeah, it's funny. It's not the first time I've heard that. People like to say that all the time. Like if he's ever been on something and then I go on, they're like, Hey, sound a lot alike. And I mean, I guess I take that as a compliment because I have a lot of respect for Mike. When, um, you know, COVID kind of started, I guess. Yeah. When COVID was like coming up this year, did you guys do anything within the app to, I guess. I mean, I know it, it works on programming. Then there's also nutritional aspect, but, but were there any notifications for people in terms of just, I don't know, things on potential mental wellness or whatever, or was it just like still focused on these habits? Because I mean, I, I mean, generally probably people that use the app will also have healthier natural habits. So things won't affect them as much, but did you guys make any sort of changes because of Corona? Um, maybe not necessarily in the app so much, but maybe just uh, like educational content through, you know, social media or a website. And, uh, you know, one example was, again, a lot of people are sort of scared to go out to grocery stores. And so we were you know, trying to tell people like, well, you don't necessarily have to go to the grocery store every day and get fresh food or something. Like if you have some canned foods or whatever, like you're, you're going to be okay. And, and you can totally get away with that for, you know, a few weeks, maybe even a few months, you know, because again, like, 
what, like March and April? Like it was just mass panic everywhere, right? Like don't even want to go to the stores, any, anything like that. And so, you know, we kind of thought, well, all right, well, let's, let, let's work with that. You know, we don't want to scare people anymore, right? Like you got the news enough for that. But again, just like if you have some stuff at home, like you could probably work with that. You know, here are some options. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? So consistency is more important than perfection. So just sort of backing that up, I think was really helpful for you mentioned earlier about, you know, some things uh, like people just maybe thinking things are too hard. What are some simple things that people can do to just kind of pick away at their at their health? You know, just kind of, you know, you mentioned walking. Like, are there a couple other things that people can do? Maybe they can cut something out or maybe they can add something to their to their day to make things just a little easier. Yeah, be active a couple times a week, at least. Again, it doesn't have to be super, super crazy. You know, again, because, you know, we're probably all more into lifting and going a little bit harder, but boy, we're the minority for the most part. There's a lot of people out there that don't do anything. So again, it's just, and I think sometimes people see that and, and they sort of see, you know, folks like us and they're like, oh, well, that, like, you got to be really hardcore into it to like get results. It's like, that's not the case at all. You know, if you can just do something again, like I got my mom into, you know, walking at the start. And then I actually like bought her a, a CrossFit membership because like one, she's never lifted in her life. She's like 60. And, and two, I knew she would like the sh- social aspect of it. Like mm. she, she likes going to the gym because, you know, she gets to chat with her friends basically. Mm. So again, it's just something like that. It doesn't have to be super crazy. So that's maybe on the exercise front. And again, yeah, I would love to tell people to lift a couple times a week, but what if you don't like lifting for whatever reason? Again, I don't know why someone wouldn't like lifting, right? Like preaching to the choir here. But again, like maybe it's an exercise class. Maybe it's yoga. Maybe it's just walking, like whatever it is, something's going to be better than nothing. And then on the nutrition front, it's, you know, mostly stick to basic whole foods. Don't eat a bunch of junk food. And if you don't eat a bunch of junk food, boy, it's really hard to overeat and to kind of gain weight and get into worse health conditions. Now, uh, I'm curious, like with the amount of users that you guys have, and I'm, I, I'm assuming it's in the tens of thousands at this point, right? That's a, that's a fair statement to make. Right. So how does it, con- does the, does it, you said it's like a living organism. Does it continue to evolve in the way that it does work with individuals? Or is it at a point now that it can take anybody and it just, it can do the same thing. Or is, is, is it still working off of all the data that you guys have compiled over the years? Uh, so a couple of things there. That's a really interesting question. Um, thanks, thanks for asking it. So it, the longer you do use the app, the idea is it'll kind of pick up a little bit more information. So let's say you run a diet phase, maybe you run a maintenance phase after, and then you go to start another diet it's probably going to have a better starting point for you that second phase than when you first started the app. Mm-hmm. Cause again, it's just, it's kind of able to learn a little bit over time. Uh, the other really interesting thing too is, so we were able to pull some data from the app. So we had like 10,000 completed diets varying in the, the lengths, whatever, and how much weight people lost, but we were able to pull some pretty cool data. And what we started to see was that people that were, not setting super crazy aggressive goals from the start had better outcomes. And so normally we would recommend people like, Hey, maybe you can diet for about three months max. And if you go too much past that, you're going to start to fall off a little bit. Well, what we saw in the app actually surprised us a little bit. It was more like nine weeks 
was what was the better outcome, which again, I wouldn't have personally guessed that, but it was cool to see that. So now we're able to take some of that data. And now when someone starts the app, we can sort of give them like a gentle nudge, like, Hey, 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 you know, maybe you don't want to go super crazy. So hardcore. It's like, you know, scale back just a little bit, you know, think, cause we want people to be successful, right? Like we don't want people to jump in and go way in over overboard in two weeks. They sort of fizzle out. Because we're actually trying to look at some data from the app. So what makes people not successful in the app? And that tends to be one of the main things. They try starting way too hard. They try going way too fast. And then they just fall off. It's like, why? Again, it's our job to hopefully better educate people as to, to not do that. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that about the app. Um, so I finished my first like f- solid full week this previous week. Uh, what's it called? Um, when I'm roughly at macros, I forget what the term is called. At the end of the week, it says it has your like number of meals that you were. Uh, it, it escaped me, but I was like twenty for twenty or whatever it was. And then when I go to weigh in, it kind of like was telling me like. Uh, dude, you actually lost weight. You're, I'm, I said it to try to gain weight. So I'm trying to gain five pounds in the next eight weeks. Try to, you know, keep it pretty simple. But by December, I'd like to be 175. And I was laughing because I'm like, well, App, you haven't met somebody like me. So it, it straight up told me that like, hey, you need to up your, your macros quite a bit. So I'm excited for this week because I'm getting, I get to eat a lot of carbs. You know, I'm pretty stoked for that one. But I do love the fact that um, the previous week, or I, I tried to set it up two weeks ago to gain and I didn't really understand the lifestyle settings and all that stuff. So when I started again on another gain phase, it stopped me and it was like, you just came off of a gain diet. Do you, are you sure you want to do it again? And because I didn't actually do it for the entirety of the diet, I said, yes, but I think it's great because I know a lot of people would fall into or would, you know, yeah, hit a bunch of pitfalls when trying to do it like a, you know, just like a fitness pal diet app or something. And that's what I love. The difference about this, this app is it, it really is like a coach in your pocket. I know you guys have mentioned that before, but if if you can, in better words, can you explain just as quick as you want or as long as you want the differences between this app and something like a, my fitness power, even like uh, the app I was using, which was my macros plus. Yeah. So the real quick summary is if you use something like my fitness pal, it's sort of just like a food diary, right? Like you just kind of tell it whatever you eat. It, it's not giving you any feedback. I mean, you can tell it that you eat 10 donuts a day and, <laughs> a gallon of milk and it's not going to say anything. It's just going to be like, cool. <laughs> so all we were trying to do is, you know, someone's going to tell us their goals again. Like you can't set super crazy goals in the app. You can't be, oh, I want to lose 50 pounds in, in, in two weeks. You can't do that, of course. But again, like it's going to, it's going to basically coach you along the way and sort of give you some feedback as to, you know, Hey, you put in a couple weights per week. It's going to track where you should be. If you're behind schedule, it's going to say, Hey, we think that you should actually, you know, change your, your nutrients for next week. Are you okay with that? And if you click yes, then it goes ahead and does it. So again, it's just more of the more interaction, right? So it's not just a diary. It tries to give you a little bit of input and sort of tell you what to do. So you're not totally on your own. Yeah. And does it recognize holidays? Like I'll be dieting through Thanksgiving on that day. Is it going to be like, ah, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not yet. Uh, Maybe maybe that's a real possibility. Yeah. You put your birthday in there, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Does it? Yeah. No, that's, 
Uh, that's good stuff. No, I think yeah, that's super not? interesting because if you could program in your birthday, we could probably put a little thing in there that says like, hey, happy birthday. Enjoy, you know, maybe make a little joke of it like, hey, P.S., you know, macros are free today. Like, you know, don't sweat. <laughs> that's helpful, right? Like, that's what a coach yeah. does. Like, you're working with a live human, you know, like that's part of the process. So, again, it, it's little things like that that I actually think that's a really good idea. The only thing I was going to say on top of that is like you can actually – you know, when your weekly review pops up, like let's say your weight spikes a little bit and you're trying to lose weight, you actually have the option to repeat the prior week because, you know, let's say you had a birthday or it was Thanksgiving, it was Christmas, the holidays, whatever, or you're traveling. Like there's a reason you probably consistency wasn't that great. Adherence mm-hmm. fell off. So you can kind of scale that back. So again, that's kind of trying to model the coaching process a little bit in there. Yeah. That was the word meal adherence. My bad. <laughs> So that's actually really cool. How many, um, uh, actually I have two questions. So obviously the, the app does nutrition and the app, it also does programming. So I'm assuming that depending on how somebody's trending, right, it will either maybe increase a little bit. Like does it meld with the programming side of things, the, the Renaissance nutrition and the Renaissance, uh, I guess, exercise stuff. Like does it, in, it obviously increases training volume over time or does it increase cardio if they're trying to drop? Like how does it meld together? <laughs> It doesn't do that quite yet. So we don't have okay. a training app quite yet. It's just nutrition. Okay. Um, My bad. Many people. No, 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 no worries, man. Uh, we literally get asked that question every single day. That's why I was kind of laughing. Um, yeah, okay. it would be cool you know, long term to, to have to add more yeah. synergy. But what I will say that it does do, so like I have my cardio days and then I have my like lifting days and I, I input that in the app as a light day, even though it says like your cardio doesn't count as just a light day, but with that, it still will account for my lighter day and my macros do change for that day. So yeah, it's dope. So my cardio days, I am eating way less carbs, Mm -hmm. but then on my lifting days, I'm having a little bit more carbs. So it's, it's still, if if you're honest with the app, it's intuitive and it, it follows you and you follow it and you have fun. (laughs) What other metrics does it kind of track? Like, does it track like, um, sleep and stuff like that? That stuff that you wouldn't expect it to track. Um, so it tracks, a, it tracks a few things. Probably the main thing that's going to be is your body weight to kind of measure your progress each week. Mm-hmm. But you can also program in like when, when you go to bed, when you do wake up, like how often you work out, how hard those workouts are, um, sort of just daily activity levels, right? Because if you're someone that sets in an office all day long, yeah. it's going to be a little bit different than, you know, if you're a construction worker carrying heavy stuff all day. So it does factor in a little bit of that stuff. Um, you know, the other the other thing that uh, was mentioned earlier is it kind of tracks your adherence. So again, you can sort of check in each meal. It's just kind of like a little uh, accountability tool, basically. So that way you can kind of see, you know, every so often, you know, someone will take a screenshot of that, put it in like our Facebook group and their adherence is, you know, 55%. And like, well, Hey, I, I'm not really seeing results. And you go, okay, like, why, why do you think that is? You know, like if you missed half of your workouts, would you expect very good results? Hopefully you would say no. So again, something like that. It's just, it's a visual thing. You see it and you go, okay, I could probably improve upon that. And again, that was kind of the idea. Like, don't reduce your nutrients. It's like, you're not even following the, the plan in the first place, right? Like get your consistency in order first, then worry about that a little bit later on. Cause again, that's what people get, I guess, somewhat backwards a little bit. 
you know, they're not doing well and then they want to sort of get more aggressive. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why do you want to do that? Yeah, we see that a lot, right? I mean, I think that's what we're dealing with here is uh, there's uh, millions and millions of dollars to be made off of uh, human behavior. And I think that's ultimately what you're dealing with through this app is you're trying to encourage, uh, you know, some type of human behavior to lean towards the goals that these people are kind of saying that they, you know, want to lean towards, they want to go towards. But it can be very difficult because I think we're sometimes we're trying too hard. And we're maybe trying to make too many changes at one time. We want to get stronger and leaner and we want to lose weight and get ripped up and kind of all at the same time. And uh, it's just it's a really difficult thing to do when you haven't really done much fitness before. Uh, Maybe you don't have a lot of experience with nutrition you know, maybe you just don't have maybe you've never really dieted before or maybe every time that you have dieted in the past maybe you failed and so maybe you have and maybe every time you exercised you, you had a bad experience maybe you got hurt i mean there's just so many different yeah. things that uh that play into this and i think it's great that you have uh something that can that can help people what do you think is the biggest hurdle you know is it adherence is it just getting people just to um just to kind of commit to you know, what it is they're, they're saying that is their goal. Yeah. I think that's, that's like one, a, maybe even one B again, I, the other one goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier. I think people just, again, it's so easy. If we're sitting here right now, totally relaxed, calm, you know, not in the heat of the battle, like lifting, it doesn't hurt or anything. It's easy to say, Hey, you know, what? I have these crazy goals. Like I'm going to hit all these goals so easy to say it right now at this time again put yourself in your shoes a week or you know even tomorrow like while you're lifting or while you're following your nutrition plan are you going to think the same thing no and a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot by getting ahead of that and they're like they're sitting here and they're really fired up right they're they're inspired they're motivated they saw something on social media and they're just like they're so ready to go and then they set these really hard goals and again they go hand in hand. So I don't even know if it's one and two, it's like one, a one B again, you get so aggressive that you're basically setting yourself up for failure that you can't possibly adhere to that because you didn't give yourself a fair shake from the start. What are some of the craziest like transformations that have like you've seen in terms of individuals that have used it? Cause I've seen like on the posts from RP people who've lost hundreds of pounds, you know, just using the app. So like what, what are some of the craziest ones that come to mind when I, when I mentioned that? I think the coolest ones are the people that have been around for a couple of years and they have sort of bought into the long-term thinking idea. So the whole, again, this even goes back to what we were just talking about. If you're able to think with a little bit more like delayed gratification, you're able to think more long-term and you're like, okay, well, I want to lose a hundred pounds. I'm not going to do it all at once. I'm going to start with losing 20 pounds Mm. and then I'm going to maintain those results for a couple months. And then I'm going to lose another 20 pounds, maintain for a little bit. And again, like you see people really do this. And again, I know it's hard because everyone wants to lose those hundred pounds as fast as humanly possible. But again, there's some trade-offs there, of course, but the people that stick to that plan for the long term, I mean, my God, that's awesome to see because you look at them and they've completely changed their life. They're like an entirely different person. You know, there's like maybe a couple of them that, that jumped to the top of my mind and those are probably the coolest ones to see. Like, it's it's cool to see people that are relatively lean and then, you know, they get 
eight pack abs or whatever. Like that's cool. But to see the people that started actually, actually, no, I got a perfect one for you. Ethan Suplee. Yes. Dude hit. I mean, again, like he, he lost a ton of weight on his own. Over a couple of years, you know, again, all sort of tried every single diet out there or whatever. And then I don't know. He watched a video with Dr. Mike or something. And he's like, huh, this seems a little bit different. And it was really hard because again, he even said this himself when, like when you're that big at some point, you have a really hard time with the idea of, of not getting results and sort of taking a step back and like maintaining. And again, like he said, that was his biggest struggle. And so that was really cool to see. I mean, he's going to have some pictures here pretty soon. He's got legitimate abs now mm-hmm. and he's like 250. Yeah. That is oh, pretty cool to see. Yeah. Dude, yeah, it's crazy. It's like tough. 300 pounds. Yeah. It's tough to, uh, it's always tough to continue to go back to your principles. But in this conversation, I mean, you've done it five or six times already where it's a, it's a, a boring and anno- an annoying story for people to hear that you have to be consistent, that you have to, it's got to be long term. You got to have delayed gratification. Like, I just want to get better today. Like, I just want to do it right now. And it's so difficult to continue to go back to that. What are what are some of your main nutritional philosophies? Do you guys have kind of an, an uh, overarching kind of principle that you like to follow in terms of counting calories or certain particular views on carbohydrates or fats? Or is it just like, hey, whatever way we can assist somebody, we're going to do that? Yeah, so maybe with one-on-one coaching, there's a bit more flexibility. But, um, you know, Andrew mentioned this earlier that um, so your activity level is going to kind of dictate kind of how, how many carbs you eat, right? So if you're someone like Rich Froning, you know, Matt Fraser, well, okay, you're probably eating a lot more carbs than, you know, my mom who, you know, maybe works out for 20 minutes a day. So you can imagine that that's going to vary quite a bit. Um, yeah, just like the basic nutritional priorities are – you know, half the battle is just adherence, you know, sort of getting people in the right mindset or thinking about the right things that they can actually stick to it. And then calorie balance is obviously really important. And then, you know, for us, it kind of depends on what your goals are. So if you just want to lose weight, that's a little bit different story than if you're a high level athlete, because if you're a high level athlete, we're, we're probably going to start looking at your macronutrient breakdown, your nutrient timing. It's going to be pretty important. Are you taking the right supplements, things like that? But if you're just a normal person, just wants to lose 10, 15 pounds, the story changes a little bit. And sometimes people get lost in that and they think that it always has to be the same. And it's like, well, no, like I'm not going to tell someone that's brand new to dieting, never has never heard of macros. I'm not going to tell them that they need to, you know, time a meal 30 minutes after their workout. Like they may or may not even be working out. So it's like, okay, let's take a step back and make you need a bit more flexibility. Hey, maybe we just aim for like three meals. We start with some like lean proteins, you know, maybe eat some veggies in there. Um, you know, again, kind of find out what they like. I mean, nothing super earth shattering there. And again, hopefully if you can educate people a little bit along the way, you know, they're armed with those tools, like you said earlier, where they can kind of run off on their own afterwards and, do it themselves easier. 
Yeah, one thing that I'm learning to like that I actually very much disliked in the beginning was the fact that the app does push you more towards whole foods. It pushes you towards, you know, actual things versus the diet that I was previously on where I was making these, you know, fat-free concoctions to keep the calories down, protein high, and, you know, kind of just trying to hack my way into things. But one thing that I was doing every single day, essentially, was fasting, and then the meal timing thing kind of just caught me by surprise because I've never done that before either. I've never had a pre-workout meal. I've never had a, you know, the app just told me right now that my next meal is about to be, uh, you know, it's almost due. So that that's all really, really new to me, but I, I do like it. Um, do you guys think that maybe in the future you'll have like a form of fasting inside the app or is like the meal timing thing just something that you guys, you know, like part of your philosophy? If you are a super advanced person when it comes to competing or whatever, it's a little bit more important. Mm -hmm. Other than that, um, what we've found again, like you get something out there, you got to get feedback. You got to see what people like the same sort of theme. We keep hearing all the time from people is like, Hey, these meal times are a bit too rigid for me. Like, okay, cool. Totally hear you. Um, so our next update that's coming out, like you're going to have, you can sort of set periods in there where you don't want to eat. So again, like, for, and I mean, right now, theoretically in the app, like if you didn't want to eat until 10 a.m., you could just say you're sleeping until 10. <laughs> so it's a little makeshift uh, way around there. But um, with the next update, you can, you know, tweak that a little bit yourself and be like, hey, I wake up at eight, but from eight to 10, uh, you know, I'm busy. Like I don't want to meal then. And then it just pushes it back a little bit. Cool. And then, so where did the, uh, I guess like the, um, uh, the idea when you guys were building all this stuff out to like to monetize everything, like where does that uh, like guess knowledge come from? Is it from you? Is it from uh, Mike? Is it both? Like uh, like how did you guys come to the uh, the idea that like hey this we're gonna charge a, a monthly fee for this sort of thing, and all of a sudden we're gonna have you know tens of thousands of people subscribe to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dr. Mike kind of helps write all the algorithms with it and things like that. And then he works with the engineers. Um, yeah, so people used to buy diet templates. It was like a one-time thing. You'd have to pay like $100 up front. And, you know, here's a really cool thing about the subscription model is we have to work our asses off to make sure that we have a good product and it's bug-free and it's always working, right? So, People pay a template, they give you $100 up front. And then whether they use it or not, it's really up to them. And then that's yeah, a fine model, right? Like it, it works. But now with the subscription model, we have to make sure we are doing the best that we can to make sure we have very good customer service. Like we're very much on top of it. If people, you know, com complain about something or, you know, say that there is a, a little bug that pops up here and there, because there's always little things that pop up in software development. So it's like now if someone's paying monthly, it, it puts sort of uh, the customer, the member in a much better position. And I think that's pretty cool. Cause then like we're highly incentivized to do our absolute best because if we fail, if we mess up, like we're, we're going to be hurting for, from it. So I think that's really cool. And it's sort of beneficial for both sides. I like what you were saying about the, the food timing and, you know, Andrew saying, you know, and there's probably other people that struggle with staying on top of that timing. But I think something you can also reference is you can always go back to the consistency side of things and say, Hey, you know, well, I know that you've struggled with diets in the past. And a lot of times what causes people to go off the rails is hunger, 
cravings, stress. When we get too hungry, we make really bad decisions. You said it earlier about, uh, you know, it's easy for us to sit here calm, you know, especially like after a meal and talk about all these great goals that we have after we just ate a giant pizza, (laughs) you know. Uh, But as you get into the thick of it and as you get into weeks and maybe even months of it, uh, it gets to be really, really difficult. So those people that, you know, sometimes are maybe struggling to get those meals in, I think it's just important that they recognize that missing a meal is a little bit like cheating on your diet in a, in a sense, which doesn't sound intuitive at all because you're like, well, I'm trying to lose weight, so I should just eat less food. And I'm not saying that you constantly need to be stuffing yourself either. If you're really full from a previous meal, you probably don't, unless you're trying to get those gains, uh, you probably don't really need to uh, you know, be forcing a lot of food down. But I do think it's important that people do try their best to really stick to the plan as, as best as they can, because we just know that once something's off a little bit, the, the, uh, the spokes of the wheel are going to start to kind of unravel and they're start to fall apart. And then it might not be that day, but maybe it's two, three days later where you find yourself nose down in some Ben and Jerry's and you're like, man, I don't know where I went wrong, but it was probably two or three days prior that you skipped out a little bit on the protein or missed a meal or something like that. Yeah, no, 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 that makes total sense. Again, if, if, if you are skipping meals, well, chances are you're going to be more hungry. What happens when you're really hungry, right? We're basically fighting, you know, human evolution and all right. that. Our bodies are like, you got to eat, like, please eat for the love of God, eat. Um, well, what happens when you're really hungry? Like, you're more likely to make bad choices, and then it's just this, I don't know, negative feedback loop. Maybe, maybe that's a good mm-hmm. term, but you skip a meal, you're more hungry, and then you, like, you just, I don't know, keep going down this downward spiral. For yourself, what do you what do you do with your own nutrition? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I met Dr. Mike back in like 2008. I've kind of been eating somewhat, you know, RP ish, if you want to call it, uh, ever since I'll usually eat, um, four or five meals a day, something like that. Um, generally I'll have some type of like workout shake around when I work out. Um, I just really like that. Do I need it? No, I'm not like training super, super hardcore anymore. Uh, like I maybe used to. Um, the, I will say a little change that I've made is I'll sort of consciously have a bigger meal, like at our family dinner, because we kind of make that like a priority to, you know, try to sit down and like have family dinner together. So I am conscious of that. You know, I, I'm not like super you know, married to nutrient timing as much as I used to be a little more laid back, so to speak. Currently, um, um, if somebody wants to use the app, and it's, it's really cool that it, it mainly suggests whole foods, like Andrew said. But if there's somebody who's like, I like to eat more fat, or I'm I'm a keto person, or I'm a this vegan or whatever, can you make those adjustments so that it spits out those types of um, food or meal ideas to you? Uh, not quite yet. Um, okay. Maybe down the road for sure. Like, so again, you can kind of potentially make it more advanced. So you have a little more flexibility. Um, you know, right now it's going to kind of give you more recommendations versus kind of inputting. And, and again, we have seen people request that. So, you know, we'd be sort of silly not to listen to what people have to say, right? Like if we want to hear what people have to say, what would make it a little bit better tool for more people. And yeah. it's, it could, could very much be a real possibility down the line. 
I am um, in, interested to find out more about, you kind of mentioned how you eat a little bit bigger of a meal with the family. Is that just to, um, I guess, just participate in family period? Like, uh, because I think all of us know what it's like to sit there with some green beans and some chicken and some rice and everybody else is eating something different. And it, it's, um, well, everyone can understand your goals and you can explain to everybody what your goals are. Uh, it's it's still just a little awkward. It's a little bit weird for everybody, yeah. and it's it's uh it's not as enjoyable. Whereas if you have uh you know what what everyone cooked and what everybody prepared, you know, in my household, we try to have dinner every night. It doesn't happen every night, but we try to make a thing of it. Um, the kids participate in trying to help set the table and stuff. My wife will cook yeah. some, something. I usually participate in cooking something as well, and we try to try our best to make it a thing like a family setting. And, um, I also, even if I'm on a specific diet, I'll actually eat maybe a little bit before we eat so that I can still eat what we put on the table and I don't have to be a weirdo. So are you kind of doing that just to participate in the family lifestyle a little bit more? Yeah, a little bit. And again, I could, so my kids are uh, eight and six, mm. so I could explain to them that I have specific goals, but it's going to be totally lost on them. They're sick. Seem like dad, it ain't working. Yeah, kids like, are brutal, man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Dude, kids are brutal. Yeah. They'll, they'll give it to you real for sure. Um, it's actually one of these things that, uh, you know, my wife and I really made a conscious choice of like, cause we didn't do this for the longest time. Cause we just felt like we were so damn busy, uh, you know, working or whatever. And, you know, the kids, they were like both in school and we just had like a more structured schedule and maybe had a little bit more freedom. Like we weren't so crazy busy. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's a really nice thing to kind of be able to sit down with your kids and, you know, entire family, whatever. Yeah. I'm curious, um, especially when you guys started getting some of your bigger growth, as far as users are concerned, uh, what kind of changes did you guys make in terms of like, I guess, marketing and maybe the type of money you were spending on marketing. Cause w one common theme you seem to hear with, uh, and I'm not like some business, like Mark would be the business owner here in that sense. But one thing you tend to hear is like, uh, when you start to spend more money on the business, you start to actually do more, make more, et cetera. Was there anything you guys did new in terms of marketing or, or different types of things that other people weren't doing that allowed you to grow so much? Uh, I mean, yeah. So I think one of the good things that we had was a pretty good social media presence and, you know, a lot of people, you have a great really social excited. media presence, not just a good, you have a great social media presence. I've seen your product, uh, you know, for the last eight years everywhere mm -hmm. from, from so many different athletes and you have really loyal athletes. So you guys did an amazing job with that. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, someone asked me that the other day and it's really interesting. So we have an athlete manager now and he does a really great job. Uh, his name's Charlie and you guys would love him. He's, he's a, you know, meathead, just like, just like all of us, but uh, yeah, he does a really great job with that. And, um, so it's kind of a couple of things there sort of making sure that we're not just like having people that, um, you know, just kind of take money from us or whatever and, you know, don't actually use it. Like that's kind of something we really want to focus on because then it's more authentic. So, you know, that's one. And again, it goes back to social media because and here's the thing I was going to say earlier, you know, if we're able to do a good job and people are able to achieve their goals, they very freely want to go talk about it on social media and share it because they're proud of their results. You know, they think it's really cool. And the, I've always been just entirely fascinated by this idea but like 90% of our content on our social media like, isn't ours. Like, we don't, you know, 
we don't create it. It's, it's people that are sort of doing it for us. And I've just always been fascinated by that because I'm not a super creative person. And like, if I had to constantly come up with stuff, I'd be like, ah, guys, what do we do here? Um, so again, that, that's a big help right there. You know, just being able to repost stuff. It's really big. Um, but may, maybe in terms of like other bigger stuff, um, you know, maybe some, some bigger partnerships with, uh, you know, some like bigger athletes, you know, like someone like Rich Froning um, or, you know, maybe working with uh, you know, like Wadapalooza or something like that. Like that's a, probably a, a bigger thing that, you know, a few years ago we probably wouldn't have been able to do. And some of those things you have to be, especially in the beginning, you have to be kind of crafty with them. Like you, A, you need a good product. I mean, that's number one. I think that sometimes maybe that people don't understand that part of it is that <laughs> it's important that, that whatever the idea or concept is that it's good. Uh, that's a, always a great starting position, but then you have to figure out a way to work your way in and, and with somebody like a rich Froning or uh, any of these high level athletes that you've worked with, if you don't really speak their language, it's going to be really tough to get in there unless you just have a good amount of money. You know, if I wanted to infiltrate through like jujitsu, like I could start paying people like a, a good amount of money and people would be excited, but then it wouldn't have the authenticity. If I was, a practicing jujitsu person and I went to a lot of competitions and I really submerged myself in it and I got to know the best coaches, then you could be a little bit more crafty and we can kind of share this, uh, this kind of have a shared sense of purpose almost rather than just trying to throw money at people. Totally. I can give you a really good example of that. So I never really did a lot of CrossFit myself. And one time I was at uh, rich Froning's house in Tennessee and, you know, CrossFit's their life, right? I mean, totally. And, you know, they're all like training and doing all this stuff. And yeah, I was there and I was like, oh, I actually like worked out earlier today. So I was just kind of hanging out, but they're just like so into it. And I'm like, I got home and I'm like, that's it. Uh, There's literally a CrossFit gym, like two miles down the road from me. I'm like, no, I'm going to start going once a week. Mm. Like just got to do it. I mean, and and I, you know, I like it because I like the competitive environment of it. I mean, you know, you get someone, you know, I walk in being a meathead, bodybuilder, power lifter, and, you know, I, whatever, think that I'm strong. And there's like a, a you know, 40, 45 year old lady that's just kicking my ass because <laughs> I have no cardio. And I'm like, okay, like, I know what I got to do. I got to, I got to, you know, improve my cardio a little bit. There we go. So for sure. Agreed. So switching gears just a little bit, uh, what can you tell me of, or tell us about your upcoming book? Yeah. So, uh, this is something that, um, I'd not really been working on a whole lot, but, uh, I guess 2020, um, uh, you know, it's kind of been a gut punch to everyone. I think that's fair to say. Would yeah. you guys agree? Yeah. It's definitely been different, right? Uh, it has been different. So here's how my 2020 went, uh, January, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then she had surgery in uh, February. She started chemo in March. And then after that, uh, you know, COVID hit, quarantine hit. So she had to go to like all that stuff by herself. And uh, we, were, we were having to homeschool our kids, uh, which is like, you know, again, like just, just the breast cancer probably would have been bad enough. And then you throw all this other stuff on. And it really made me like kind of step back. And I had been reading, formulating all these different things in my head, kind of, you know, read a bunch of different books over the last couple of years, whatever, kind of had these like main ideas in my head. It's like, well, what makes people more successful than others? And it didn't matter if it was psychology, it was business, it was finance, it was, you know, 
war, military history, whatever it was. Like I kept seeing these themes and they kind of overlapped and I was just keeping notes on them. And then 2020 hit and I was like, boy, I gotta, I gotta really kind of change my mindset and approach to things. And it forced my hand, so to speak. And then I had to adjust on the fly. And then, I don't know, like a month into COVID or whatever, like we were in shelter in place, you know, cause my wife highly, um, immune compromised because she's in chemo and whatever. So I was like, I think I got to do something with this. Cause I had all these thoughts and I was applying them and like, we were making it through pretty well. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down. I'm literally not going anywhere for, for three months or four months, whatever. And I just sat down and just started writing and it just kind of, you know, again, it's just like lifting, right? You just kind of go in one day and you just keep going. You just keep showing up. Like that's half the battle. So I kept doing that you know, wrote it, got 40, 45,000 words. I was like, Hey, yeah, I showed it to a couple of people and I'm like, am I crazy here or not? They said, I think you're, well, you are crazy, but you know, maybe not crazy in this regard. And yeah, I sent it to an editor and, you know, thank God for editors. They, they make people sound you know, way smarter than, than, you know, you look at my rough draft and it's like, <laughs> sometimes the editor would, would ask me, he's like, what's this thought or tangent here? And I'm like, ignore that, man. Like how many That's sentences just... in a row can you go without any punctuation? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't know. I'm trying to set a record. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like six pages. You're like, that one run on sentence? So again, that, um, that's just kind of how it started. And um, yeah, I'm just... It's going to come out probably in November. Uh, I'm just really excited because I think it's going to help people because so many people have been negatively impacted um, by... 2020 by coronavirus, by everything, you know, uh, economies and turmoil, all that stuff. I think if you're able to take the the bad and, and somehow find some good of it and make good of it and all that, I think that's going to help a lot of people. So that's kind of like what was the inspiration for it, I suppose. Did you find it therapeutic? I did. Looking back, I mean, now I really love to talk about it because I think you know, we, we had a choice to make basically like we could have, we could have played the victim card and just like, Hey, you know what? Like this just really sucks. And we could have kind of went down that downward spiral, but uh, we didn't. And we sort of choose to, you know, do all the work required to, you know, get through chemo and all that and, you know, homeschool. And um, again, like we chose to make a lot of positive out of something that was, was bad. And again, like it, that is, I guess, you know, sort of therapeutic and you know, sort of looking back, I think it probably did help just, you know, not having anywhere to go and, and all that stuff. I do have a home gym at, uh, at home. So, you know, thank God I had my sanity through mm. that. But yeah, definitely. I think there's definitely some therapeutic stuff just to getting all that out there. And, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll help a lot of people. You know, the idea of the internal locus control that you mentioned earlier, um, I'm kind of probably assuming that you've, you've had that mindset for a long, long time as is like you've, you, you have control over certain things and you just control what you can and what you can't, you kind of whatever. Right. Um, but with 2020, it seems that even when individuals have had that mindset, it just seems that certain things, certain things you just can't, you know, let go of certain things. You just, you just can't just throw out of the mind because there's a lot coming right now for you with all of this, did you ever catch yourself slipping away from that mindset. And when that did happen, how did you, I mean, I'm guessing maybe writing was something that kind of brought you back, but what else brought you back to that thought process? 
Yeah, I think everyone slips. Like, it's super easy, no matter who you are. I mean, we could talk about us. We could talk about, you know, famous people. We could talk about politicians, whatever. I think everyone slips. And so I think that's maybe part of it is, is acknowledging that. Like, we are human. No one's perfect. Um, you know, the writing helped being able to, to work out every day. Like, so I chose to look at it as like, okay, hey, I'm not going anywhere for a while. What can I do? Boom. I'm going to like, I'm going to make sure my habits, I'm going to, you know, my habits are going to be on point. You know, I'm like, I'm waking up a little bit earlier each day. You know, I'm reading more each day. I'm making sure I do some cardio each day. You know, I'm lifting and I'm like doing all these things. I kind of have this checklist, you know, on my phone and I'll make sure I'm checking them off every single day. So for me, I was just like, I refuse to step back and sort of be a victim. Like that's not going to happen. That's never going to be me. So it's like, what can I do? What can I, what can I actually control here? And again, you know, my wife had the same thing. She's probably a little bit more uh, pessimistic mindset uh, in general. And again, like that was a big focus. Well, like now let's shift to a more positive mindset because if you are more positive, you probably have more hopefulness that what you do, that you can actually change your outcome. And again, I think that's big, like no matter what your obstacles are, whether it's fitness, whether it's, you know, battling cancer or, you know, even business, like I think there's just some sort of key universals that, that overlap on all that. And that's kind of like what I found or stumbled upon. And, and that's kind of just like the main idea of the book. Okay. Did you find it uh, maybe helpful in a way to approach for you and your wife to approach cancer as uh, as if to kind of say like, Hey, look, you know, a lot of people have had cancer before. Like I'm sure the initial, you know, the initial blow of it is like uh, nearly impossible to overcome. But once you kind of get the news and you're like, okay, well, here's the treatment plan. Let's go through with the treatment plan and let's just kind of take it day by day, the best that we possibly can. Other people have been through this. Other people have survived it. It's not really necessarily helpful to be super sad about it, super upset about it. We should try to be, even though it's hard to say and hard to do, it was that kind of the mindset going into it. Yeah, I think that's part of it. You have to take it one day at a time because it's so easy if you look at the bigger picture to just be completely overwhelmed and big. Oh, there's like too much. But again, you just what, what's right in front of me? What can I do right now? What can I do today? And just boom, do that. Let's just get through it one day at a time. Because again, yeah, it's like and again, I wasn't the one going through it. Right. So it's you know a little bit easier for me. But yeah, it's so easy to kind of get lost in that, um, you know, just because sometimes, and I think this, you know, happened, I think it's a pretty normal thing, but you, you sort of just start to wonder like, well, why me? Like, it's just not fair. Mm-hmm. And that's a really slippery slope to go down because if you do, again, I just, so the first time I went uh, to chemo with my wife, I remember I was sitting next to her and like, you know, my, my mindset was I'm going to be here for like four hours. So I got like, I got my food, I got my snacks with me, whatever, but like I also have books with me. I'm like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to learn my ass off here. Like if this is the hand I'm dealt, like I'm going to make some good of it. And the people that were sitting next to me, it was like an older couple, probably like, I don't know, 60s, 70s, maybe. And their approach, their mindset was all they were doing was bickering and sort of fighting and complaining. And I thought to myself, boy, is that the route that we want to go? And I was like, no, I, I, what good could possibly come of that? You're just, you're going to kind of have that victim mentality and you're just going to what sit back and sort of get depressed that this happened to you. Like, no, what can you do now? Like, what can you control? Let's do that. Let's knock it out. And I mean, knock on wood, 
you know, my wife's uh, done with treatment now. And, you know, as in uh, a couple months ago now, I think it was August was her, her last treatment. So like, I think we're in the free and clear. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to have that mindset, but you know, kudos to you. That's amazing. That um, I think it's interesting too that you've been learning all this stuff, you know, and uh, that sounds like it was helpful to your wife because you mentioned that her mindset previously was just maybe a little bit more uh, negative to begin with. Correct? Yeah, she she definitely had the more you know, <laughs> if you have the optimism versus uh, pessimism mindset, she. It was kind of like the the yin and yang. I'm, you know, probably much more positive. She she would she calls herself a realist, right, so, right, right, right. <laughs> which is helpful, right? Like, of course, it can't be all sunshine and rainbows. Like, no, there are obstacles to overcome and all that. But you know, just kind of having the right approach and mindset, I think, is is a really big help on that. Well, opposites attract too, right? Like, if you guys were the same, you would <laughs> you would probably be like the couple that was bickering back and forth. Maybe, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sure. But like that, that just, that really stood out to me when I was sitting there and I just, and I'll probably never forget it either. Cause it was just, I was like, okay, I, I know well, definitely now what I, what I don't want to do. I think there's two different ways to look at it. Like maybe they're that way because they are older and they're like, you know, F like this is, <laughs> this shit's happening to me and, and this could be the end. Right. But another way to look mm-hmm. at it is they could also say, Hey, I'm grateful that I live this long, you know? Boom awesome i'm 60 i'm 70 i I have grandkids or uh whatever it might be and you know being around someone like jason kalipa and seeing his daughter uh go through and seeing that family go through what they went through it was unbelievable there was kids that would get up and give a speech and like they would talk and they would talk from the heart and they weren't crying (laughs) they were pumped they were happy they would tell you like a cool story they were like i mean maybe they didn't understand the weight of what was going on but they would talk about dying. They would talk about like, you know, Hey, if I only have 30 days to live, this is how I want to live my life. And you're like, Holy shit. And there's not a dry eye in the room. Everyone's just gets, you know, completely devastated by hearing a child say that. But you're like, damn, if they can be strong and have that mindset, then maybe the rest of us should stop being a bunch of pussies. (laughs) 100%. And I'm actually really glad that you brought that up. So one, one of the things, so if you read like a bunch of positive psychology stuff, that's like one of the fundamental things is just uh, being able to be grateful. And when you look at it from that approach, again, it's like, Oh, you know, you could complain that, you know, all this stuff's happening. What's like, no, like I'm actually grateful that, you know, we're still here. Um, you know, RP is doing well, you know, again, like we're able, like, you know, my kids are still here. Like we're able to have family dinner every night. Like when you approach it like that, all of a sudden your mind shifts, your mindset shifts and it's no longer, Oh, what was me? You're like, okay, I'm here. Like, let's do this. I'm ready to go. How can somebody essentially like train their mindset to think, to think more this way? Cause I, I would hate for like, I don't know, like just for myself, like some kind of, uh, you know, event like this, like the, what happened to you to like, okay, now it's the time to like turn it on and, you know, think this way. So hopefully nothing ever happens like that. But for somebody listening who maybe is the pessimistic or is the negative person, uh, is there like certain books that you'd recommend or anything like that to where they can actually like start following this type of uh, mindset? Yeah. So uh, Martin Seligman is a really good author to follow. He's kind of like the, the godfather of positive psychology. So that's a good place to start. Um, really smart dude. Uh, University of Pennsylvania. 
So, you know, Ivy League school, of course. Um, also, an interesting thing is um, there's a lady, I think she's a professor at Yale, yeah, another Ivy League school. Um, they have a free class. It's, I think it's like, I forget the exact name of it, but it's something about um, keys to happiness, let's call it. Um, something by uh, Lori Santos, L-A-U-R-I-E. It's totally free. Like, this is a course that they teach at Yale. It's like one of the most popular courses that they have. But when COVID hit, I believe that made them put it online for free because they knew, again, with all this stuff going on, that it was probably going to be a very big impact on people. And then, you know, it's one of the things they talk about, you know, like something even as simple as like savoring, like, you know, while you're there, you know, while you're having a meal with your family, just like being thankful for it, you know, sort of savoring it, not just, you know, being on your phone and, you know, like not. I guess that kind of ties into maybe a little bit of like mindfulness stuff, but again, they talk a lot about the being grateful as well. So that's probably a couple of good resources. You know, what you mentioned there in terms of like the savoring thing, it's just like, I guess the idea of maybe just being present in the moment rather than having your mind somewhere else, thinking of all the different types of problems you have. Like I've noticed, honestly, like when I can be there, it makes a very big difference with how I I just feel much happier versus when I'm, thinking of something that may be going wrong with somebody I'm working with or whatever. And my, my like even my significant other can tell my mind is somewhere else and it just causes stress. Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's crazy. I mean, listen, we're probably all guilty of this, but even, and I'm certainly guilty of this. I've, I've tried to maybe not be as guilty, but you know, again, like my kids are eight and six. So they're, you know, like always around, you know, always, you know, super high energy. And it's like, sometimes I got to work, but you know, sometimes I find myself like, I'm not actually working. Like, let's be honest. Right. And then it's like, you know, you kids are trying to talk to you. You're like, damn it. You know, it's kind of like, got to put your phone down and be like, okay, let's do this because it's so easy, right. To, to sit there and, you know, well, let's scroll through Instagram today. Like what, uh, stupid stuff can we find today so yeah it's just all sorts of little stuff man but i agree i think that's really important i think for every moment that you can concentrate on like what it is you're currently doing uh it leaves you that much further from your past you know and so the things in the past you can't control you mentioned you know having control over certain things we don't have control over that we don't have a lot of control over like what might happen (laughs) we don't really know um, there might be some control that you can have. You can control, control some variables, but I find it really interesting. You know, anxiety is, uh, you know, stress over things that haven't happened. Depression is anxiety over things that already happened. You really don't have control of either one. So why did we give a fuck? <laughs> and the answer is because we're human, you know, and, and, and that's we're human. Exactly. Yeah. We worry and we're like, not sure about our choices. You know, where an animal uh, might have an animal instinct and they're pretty damn sure that they made the right decision. Uh, they don't have to maybe think about it as much, you know, uh, where with us, everything that we do or everything that we did or everything that we said or, or we think about things you're going to say. I mean, how about that one? When you think about when you have to have a tough conversation with somebody and you build up tons of anxiety, then you're like, I, I need to talk to this person. And then you do talk to them and it goes completely opposite of what you thought. <laughs> You're like, oh, I don't really want to say this to them. It's going to hurt their feelings and so on. And then you tell them and they're like, oh, I'm glad you brought that up because I think A, B, and C. And like, I think this would make everything a lot better. And you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> you're like, I was sweating it for a week, you know, before we got into this conversation. Totally. I think that whole, you know, again, how do you kind of train this or work on it? Well, it's acknowledging that, right? So when something happens, right, someone gives us feedback. 
let's say it's not the greatest feedback. What's your initial reaction? You're pissed, <laughs> right? That's normal. We're human. We want to think like that, but it's sort of catching ourselves thinking like that, being able to like maybe just take a slight step back and be like, okay, they gave me this feedback. Well, one, is it true? Is it not true? Okay, well, what should I do now? Should I respond very angrily towards them and, and really emotional? That's probably not the best idea. Let's take a step back, think about it a little bit. And, and again, like, I'll give, a, I'll give an example, man. I'm a really big Michigan football fan. Like, I went to school at Michigan, whatever. I'm just like diehard, everything. And I was terrible watching Michigan football games. Like, my family was like, you're not a, a good person to be around with games. I'm like, swearing and, and stuff. And, and now I'm just like, okay, that was a year ago. Where am I at now? And I'm like, God, I don't really give a shit that much about Michigan football. Like, I don't have any control over it. I'm not out there playing. Like, why do I care? And it's like, if you just acknowledge it and ah, you just – Mark, I'm sure you can probably uh, enlighten me here, but you just, as you get older, you, mm. you learn and you just become more mature and sort of your perspective changes, I'm sure. But like, I'm seeing that now. It's, it's just, it's kind of mind blowing to me, but I mean, I'm sure, you know, all this stuff's been around for thousands of years, oh, yeah. right? Like, you go back in time, it's like the same stuff, which is just funny to see, but you just kind of sometimes take something in your life to kind of flip that switch. And then you go, oh, okay, duh. Yeah, there's a lot of things I think you can utilize as a practice, as a form of practice. And for you, it might be watching a football game. I, I think, I think what I think what is okay for people to do too is to recognize that certain things charge them up, and to maybe just not really watch it or not participate in it. So, like the news, maybe yeah. social media. Like I, I do think that you're better off arming yourself so you can handle more shit. And not necessarily have to avoid stuff, but at the same time, if you find yourself getting really frustrated every time you go to do this particular thing, uh, or you're always telling yourself ahead of time that you're already going to be frustrated when you go to do this certain thing, uh, then you you may you might want to either figure out a way to educate yourself so you're not frustrated with that anymore, or to maybe even just <laughs> avoid it altogether. How do you deal with uh, social media type stuff, and and has that improved over the years? It's approved a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's something that I'm very much still working on. Um, you know, I got a, I got a real good friend. Uh, he actually helped me out with a little bit of the book. Um, you know, he was a SEAL and uh, he does some like leadership coaching and all that. And um, yeah, I kind of, I'll text him every now and again. And I'm just like, Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And he'll kind of just explain things to me in a different way that I go. And it, it, it's funny too, cause this just happened the other day. You know, my wife will talk to me about something, you know, again, like if you have cancer, it's sort of always in your mind where like, you're, you're always thinking about it and you're, you know, you, you get an ache in your arm and like, well, you go to worst case, right? Because this happened to you. And like, you know, I'm a little bit more detached from it, relatively speaking. And I'm just like, you know, you can't really think like that. That's just not a great thing. And then like, I find myself doing the exact same thing when it comes to social media. And you know, my buddy's texting me and he's like, well, just kind of think about it a little bit differently or do this. And I'm like, well, that just makes too much sense, mm -hmm. you know, because it's so easy when it's kind of happening to someone else and you're a little bit detached from it. Like when it, when you're in it, right, when we're in the heat of the battle, it's a whole different story. And so that's just, to me, it's funny. And 
And it's the more you learn and can be a little bit more aware. And, you know, Mark, I like that you mentioned, you just, you keep practicing it. Right. And like, you know, you just, you see some of these things that keep happening every day or whatever. And it just, it becomes a little bit easier over time. I mean, my God, it's just like lifting, right. You don't walk in day one to the gym, right. Like all this stuff's kind of universal. It's not, you know, just this or just that. It's like, if you, you can probably apply this stuff to, to everything. Have you, is there anything you've done to like, uh, I guess, control it a little bit better in your life? Or have you ever necessarily been an individual that has had issues with social media or has it always just been kind of like a tool for you? Um, I mean, it's always been, it's always been an issue. I'm I'm on it entirely way too much. I'm sure you guys can probably relate, but um, you know, the one thing that, and again, I'm, I'm not perfect at this, of course, but uh, generally speaking, in the morning, I'll try not to really pay much attention to social media. And that's actually why I like getting up just a little bit earlier, because social media is not really that active in the morning. And I can just kind of set my phone off to the side or, you know, maybe listen to an audio book or a podcast or whatever. And uh, I like that. You know, I'm like, OK, I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of time and then then I'll kind of get on and, and then, you know, go exploring and responding to stuff. But that's not really something I love to do first thing in the morning right out of bed gotcha. it's uh tough to uh detach yourself from the mindset of like i'm working you know like uh, i'm uh, you know i don't know what it's like to be a female but from a male perspective you're like this is what i do i i i'm bringing home the bringing home the bacon kind of thing and and i'm yeah. you know i'm i'm working and you kind of just i think a lot of adults do that men and women uh, where when they're on their phone, their kid's trying to get their attention, they're like telling the kid they're working. But um, I think you're better off trying to set some boundaries and set some specific times that you're actually working. And I don't really think that scrolling through social media is really working, even though we're going to try to sell ourselves that because we want to justify why we're on there. But um, And it very well could be. I mean, you could be checking out the competition. You could be making a relevant post that's, uh, important to your company, but you know, can you can you put your phone aside for a little bit and pay attention to what's going on currently? I mean, it's not like social media is going to disappear out of nowhere, so mm-hmm. it'll it'll be there later on. For myself, I, I've been really fortunate; I've been able to escape it, um, and it's been amazing, you know, because I have people that just post for me, so it, that's been really helpful. But uh, there's no escaping all of it, you know. It's it's. Uh, I'm still on like YouTube and so I'll still see stuff here and there, but um, it's actually been amazing to not even know anything about what anyone's doing. I don't even, I don't even know who some of them will say, Hey, you see so-and-so did this or so-and-so posted that. I'm like, Nope. And I, I, you learn that it just doesn't matter that much. And that actually has been surprising to me that it's pretty irrelevant. And then if somebody mentions it like 20 times or something, then maybe I'll try to check it out or something. If, if I think it's something that I need to see or something that's fun or funny, then maybe I'll try to check it out. But it's been amazing to be distanced from it for a while now. How long have you been doing that? I'm just kind of curious as to that. Uh, probably about six months or so. or Yeah, about six months, yeah. I, I tried before, and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. I tried before, and I kind of I came back and forth. and But it, it's been helpful to me to, like, pass over the reins and then uh, just from a uh, business owner perspective of just sometimes giving people an opportunity and just saying like, 
you're actually probably going to do a better job at this than I do rather than me saying, oh, I, it has to be me that does it. I'm going to do a better job. You don't know how to do it like me. Like, why would I say that when I, I mean, if you hired the person to handle certain things specifically, then uh, they should be the right person for the job. And if they're not, then you might have to find somebody else. But uh, just trying to empower them with, hey, I think you're going to do a better job of this than, than I am anyway. Yeah, it's funny listening to other people say this, you know, similar things. And you kind of think, okay, yeah, like, yep, check, check. Like, I'm kind of making mental, mental notes <laughs> on my side of... It's always easier to hear from other people, right? Than, you know, yeah. tell yourself the same stuff. It's hard, yeah. Yeah, very much like your uh, your Navy SEAL friend. Uh, Mark is that guy for me. Uh, previously, I was or recently, I was going through a uh, house sale and purchase situation where I was freaking out. And I was like, man, if it doesn't appraise at the right amount, blah, 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 blah. and he's just like, well, hey, uh, you don't have control over any of it, so why are you stressed out? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. all right, cool, I guess you're right. <laughs> but if somebody doesn't have that, uh, where can somebody turn to to try to find a little bit of uh, some of this like guidance? I mean, nowadays it's 2020. There's just so much good stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, think about YouTube. Think about just all the, the free content out there. I mean, anything you could probably want or want to learn about, uh, there's going to be stuff out there. I mean, you can probably... I mean, Google, <laughs> just like Google, whatever you want to find out. Uh, I'm sure people are going to pop up, like, you know, read a book by them or, you know, watch some videos, TED Talk, something like that. Like, go watch, go learn, get that knowledge. It sort of just gives you that awareness. And that's probably the first step. And once you have that, just hopefully use use that sort of positive momentum to keep going. You know, um, I hate to rewind just a little bit, but I'm really curious about this uh, at the point of people see RP strength with the tens of thousands of users and it's a seven figure business. And you said 50 employees, but in the building process of it, were there any very notable moments where you guys were like, all right, we got to shut this down. Um, or did that ever really happen? Or were you guys just so entrenched in it that you just never really felt the need or felt the, that you would ever quit to get to where you are currently? Um, I don't know if we hit like that point, but we definitely had some different products that we tried out that just completely tanked. And, you know, just no one gave <laughs> gave a crap about. Um, it's funny, uh, Dr. Mike created these things called like hunger diet templates, and that's kind of excuse food food towards uh, more at nighttime. He's like, "Oh, this is going to be great, man! This is exactly what people want." Nah. <laughs> people, people, people want results. Really. Uh, now again, we were able to sort of learn from that and go, okay, well, like this by itself, probably not a great idea. This main thing that we have, people really like it. Okay. How do we sort of merge the two together a little bit, kind of take some of the good parts of both and, you know, eventually, you know, uh, iterated a couple of times, you know, the we ended up with like the diet temples 2.0 and then 3.0 and then eventually it morphed into the app and, you know, the app, can do a lot more of all the stuff that the templates couldn't. So I wouldn't necessarily say there was like that crucial moment, but yeah, we definitely, you know, that's the other thing too, right? Um, that's actually a big part of the book is like, no matter what you do, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you know that going in, you look at things a little bit differently You go, okay, well, I'm not afraid of failure because a lot of people are, and they don't ever take action to get going in the first place. But if you know, you're going to fail, and you have the right mindset that if you do fail, you just kind of adapt, pivot, learn from it and keep moving on. You know, that's just a much better approach, I think. 
it kind of all ties into what you said in the beginning is that your app is continuing to learn and it's learning through error correction. You know, somebody goes to use a certain part of the app, especially I'm sure early on. And someone says, yo, like this thing's a piece of shit. Like it's not working. <laughs> it's giving me weird numbers. It told me I need to eat 785 grams of protein or whatever, but you, it over a period of time, it advances, it gets better. Um, and I, I think that that's important for people to recognize that, we can do that as people as well. Like you, you error correct. That's what we do. You, you mess up, you screw up. You did too many sets of biceps. You can't uh, straighten your arm out anymore. Or the week before you didn't work out enough and you gained weight and you went backwards or whatever, whatever it might be, but you can make those corrections. You can, you know, as you, as you go along, you can improve. Again, you know that if you're aware of it, because, again, I just think back to, you know, think of all the people that are afraid of making mistakes. And so they never even get going in the first place. And, again, they kind of get into that you know, mental, maybe negative self-talk. And it's like they basically convince themselves that they're going to fail and that they never even get going. And, boy, I'm sure there's some really good ideas out there that have just never come up because the person just never chose to, to move forward with it. And so, um, again, you know, just real quick on the book. So, you know, it's kind of like a pyramid like we have with the nutritional priorities, but at the base of it is, is hard work. Right. And like, that's the most fundamental aspect of being successful because no matter what it is, like, let's say you have an idea. Ideas are just ideas that you actually have to put them into practice. Right. I mean, we could have the greatest training program in the world ever written, but it means jack shit if you don't go into the gym and actually do it right. Like then, then you just, and again, now maybe that's a little bit of a critique of, you know, the evidence-based crowd. They like to maybe overthink things a little bit and they sort of undervalue the, the um, how much hard work actually matters. Right. You look at some of the more old school people and it's like, well, they had that in spades. So maybe trying to morph the two together, take some of the, uh, the best of both approaches. And maybe that is, is, the optimal way to go, so to speak. What's uh, what's the name of the book and where can people find it? Yeah. So it's going to be called fit for success and uh, it's going to come out probably November 16th. That'll probably just be on rpstrength.com. Thanks. And uh, your wife is doing pretty, pretty good now. You said she's crushing it, man. She's crushing it. Yeah. Did you guys make any changes to uh, her diet, her exercise? Were there some were there some changes to any of that to uh, help with, uh, I guess, to help advance her position so she could feel better, faster kind of thing? Yeah, so that's a really interesting one. Um, when you're like when you're in chemo, they just kind of tell you to eat whatever you can because you might not even want to eat. You might just feel like complete crap some days. So that one's tricky. They generally just say, do whatever you can. Um, You know, here's the messed up thing, right? And and this is kind of, it was really hard for my wife to, to avoid this. She was a healthy person, right? She eats better than I do, Mm. right? And she exercised, right? She was competed in figure and stuff. Like she was a healthy person. And that's the part that kind of really got to her is like, she was doing all the right things. And then sometimes shit just happens. And that's really unfortunate. Right. It sucks. But like, that's the thing is she's, you know, it, it makes her question herself. Like, well, if you're already doing all these things and some shit happens to you, what do you, what do, you do after that? Again, that's just kind of going back to, I mean, you, you can't really control, right. If something like that's ever going to come back, you can, again, you just try to eat well, you try to exercise, 
try to not be super stressed out, you know, have a more positive mindset, things like that. But beyond that, you, you can't really control it. So she's maybe made a, a few small tweaks with some foods that she'll eat, but like nothing super crazy. Again, she's just kind of getting back to the basics, mostly whole foods, exercising several times a day. I mean, she's like really into to gardening. That's kind of her, you know, Zen, so to speak. Was there uh, was there any like looking into a ketogenic diet or is there not enough evidence uh, in a ketogenic diet to uh, help someone's position that might have cancer? That's a really interesting question. I can't speak to that a lot. Um, she definitely heard that from some people. Again, it's one of these things where, you know, she went to one doctor and he, he was you know a little all over the place, but that was something he suggested. But like her main oncologist wasn't really a fan of that approach. And so it's really hard because you're hearing conflicting things by experts. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, boy, I'm not a, I don't know how to eat when it comes to cancer. Like stick to the basics the best you can, you know, and she'll ask me, she's like, what what do you think? And I'm like, (laughs) "Uh, listen to your main oncologist. That's kind of the best that that I can give. And, um, you know, I I know a couple of doctor friends and I would kind of run it by them. And they're just kind of like, yeah, you do the best you can. You eat mostly healthy and exercise beyond that. No one's really sure. And that's where, Again, maybe 10 years from now, because cancer is so prevalent, again, you know, we'll either A, maybe have some type of like cure, which would be awesome, or maybe they're just going to have a lot better advice if, you, if something does happen, like, hey, actually, you can do these couple things. So, you know, again, science that you learn, hopefully evolve, keep learning. Five, 10 years from now, we might have much better answers. Obviously, 2020 has caused a lot of... Uh a lot of pivots for a lot of people, a lot of changes. Um, when you were heading into the year and you uh, had all the things that maybe you wanted to try to get done this year and try to do, um, did your, did your, with Corona, did your goals change at all? Did you pivot? Were you still able to hit the things you wanted to hit? I'm assuming, I don't even know, did, did a lot of the things that happened this year, I guess that spurred the book, but were you able to do what you wanted to try to do this year so far? Um, for the most part, I mean, I don't think I would say it's ideal. Um, we definitely saw a little bit of an impact in the spring. Um, for example, we had like a, a gym-free training program, and it was just for females. I mean, no one really ever bought it uh, just because most of our crowd is already in the gym and whatnot. And, uh, you know, as soon as COVID hit, like we had plans to make the male version already, but it was kind of like, okay, this is obviously a really big thing. Like we, we need to get this done. And, you know, that it ended up doing really well. Again, you know, now people are sort of back to the gym, so it's kind of trailing back off. But, you know, that was one, like, fundamental thing that we had to change and shift pretty quickly. Because, again, everyone was asking us, they're like, what do I do at home? Like, I can't go to the gym. I can't, you know, leave my house or whatever. And we're like, okay, like, do you have some dumbbells? Yeah. Oh, we would see really creative stuff. Some people were using their kids or, you know, putting them on their shoulders and squatting them or whatever. And yeah, so that was probably the biggest thing that we changed in, uh, you know, along with some of the education. Like, hey, if you're at home, can't go to the grocery store or whatever, like, it's not the end of the world. Just try to eat what you have and don't go too crazy. Congrats on uh, all the success, man. It's been awesome to watch. Well, like, well, likewise, man. Thanks so much. Great to have you on the show, and hopefully we can have you out here to Super Training sometime. 
Dude, I love that. Here's the other thing. I haven't traveled since <laughs> I haven't traveled at all in 2020. So I'm I'm like I'm itching to to get back out there and, and do some stuff for sure. Seemed like that tragedy happened with Kobe Bryant and then the whole world just went on fire and just everything went to shit. Yeah. Dude. Ever since that point. I love Kobe, man. <laughs> I love Kobe. Yeah. I know. Brutal. Where can people find you? At RP Strength on Instagram. All right, man. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thanks, Take care. Sir. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Cool. Thanks for me Thank you. Cool. Some Dude, great stuff. It is some great stuff. <laughs> Him and Mike Israel have definitely rubbed off on each other. Oh, a my lot God. They're the so chill. They're so, like, calm. Like, and, and when he said cadence. that they, he's like, yeah, you know, we sound the same. I think he meant, like, some of the, like, information that they give. Or, mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, you guys sound like Literally, the same person. Yes, <laughs> they like, sound oh, like the same guy. <laughs> it's so, it's, it's dope. The, they're the, both cool. But. The cadence for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, both of them are great. That's great to hear that his wife is, is doing yeah, well. And goodness. hopefully uh, that continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's got to be a rough rough thing to uh to go through and you know cancer is such a weird thing i think there's a lot of diseases a lot of illness um that we just don't know enough about yet you can't really just uh control everything through nutrition you can't control everything through uh you know uh the way that we exercise and everything and I, I, maybe you can control stuff a little better uh, maybe we'll learn more as we go forward. I've heard, you know, many times before that a ketogenic diet can help uh, with cancer, but like, I, you know, I don't know what to what degree, you know, and, and I don't know how much proof or evidence there is of that. I know uh, our buddy Ron Penna had the keto pet sanctuary that's with dogs, you know, it's not necessarily with people. So mm-hmm. um, there's there's a lot, lot more research uh, that needs to be done. But what I do think is cool is and I've heard this repeatedly is that and he mentioned you know, the next 10 years. And they've been saying that for a long time with cancer. Uh, but I do believe in the next 10, 15 years that we won't maybe have a cure because it's hard to have, it's hard to really have a cure because there's so many different types of cancer. Uh, I just think that we'll see less and less people um, die from it, which will be amazing. I was watching uh, something on 60 minutes. God, I feel old saying 60 minutes <laughs> watching shows like that or 2020, right? Like those are old people shows, but uh, there was a guy that was on, he did the genome project, uh, genome project. I don't know how you say that word, um, but he, he's the one that figured out the coding of, of humans, you know, the, uh, it was freaking wild, but he, he basically, um, kind of in a way like reversed or cured sickle cell anemia which is absolutely fucking crazy um and he did so by (laughs) it's actually really a really wild story and i'm gonna mess this up but uh, i'll kind of go for it anyway (laughs) (laughs) so there's um on your i guess your dna there's a t and there's an a and just one letter if one letter is off if one of those letters is off, you will have sickle cell anemia. Sickle cell anemia is your red blood cells kind of turn into, um, it turns into what looks like a sickle. It, it kind of looks like a little mini boomerang. And then it builds up in certain areas and then it causes tons of pain. And you could have pain anywhere from it. You could have pain in your forearm, your cheeks, your leg. I mean, it could be anywhere. And for some people, they have it all over their body, just mm. tremendous amounts of pain. They were like, Scale of one to 10, what's this like? And they're like, is there an option for 20? You know, like it just kills. And uh, it mainly happens in black people. And it happens um, a lot of times um, 
with people with African descent yeah. because of malaria. I guess it's a defense mechanism against malaria, which is kind of crazy, too. Um, they didn't really say whether I, I didn't really I guess other people can get it, but I didn't really they didn't have anybody else on the show other than other than people that were had African descent. But it was um, it was wild because there's these kids that are just in tons of pain and, and all they can do is give them like morphine and stuff like that. And they, you know, the doctors don't know what the kid's going through because they you don't know what the person has right away, you know, a lot of times. And so these kids are saying they're in tons of pain. Well, they don't want to prescribe them pain medication. But then when they see how severe the pain is that they're in, then they start prescribing pain. And then you have, you know, nine-year-old kid that's hooked on pain medication. And yeah. so it's, it's just a really sloppy thing. But anyway, this guy had figured out a way to reverse, uh, reverse sickle cell anemia by basically giving people stem cells, but also I think there was something in there with uh, HIV, which was really wild. Um, and so he, he was able to kind of make this blend of, uh, of uh, stem cells and, and uh, kind of um, infuse the stem cells into the person and it would reverse, <laughs> it would reverse their DNA. And it, it, it's been working on a lot of people. It's been crazy. But the the story was absolutely mind boggling to watch. Yeah. I was like, holy, f you know, so what are they going to be able to do in the future? And this guy was saying that there's 7,000, um, he's like, there's at least 7,000 other diseases that are similar that he felt were similar enough to this, to, to, to where they could fix them. So it'd be interesting in the future yeah. to see, you know, what's possible with uh, some of these stem cell, uh, some of the stem cell research and stuff that's going on. Yeah. Wow. That's what got uh, P Prodigy from, um, Mob Deep. Mm. He died of sickle cell. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot, a lot of, like, I have sickle cell trait. A lot of, it's it's testable. A lot of West Africans have sickle cell traits. It's just it, if it actually happens. Like manifests and turns yeah. into something. Yeah. Damn. Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's great. Because, like, you hear about, uh, not you hear about it, but, like, the, the uh, like, rumors, are like, oh, yeah, like, like Magic Johnson survived you know, oh, AIDS yeah. or whatever. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, they, they do have the cure, but they're, you know, they don't yeah. want to put it out because then they'll lose money or whatever. So the fact that this guy was like, he's actually doing it. It's like, right. Hey, maybe they're not all full of shit. <laughs> I wonder, I'm, I want to look at that. I wonder what the HIV thing's about. Like, mm -hmm. what, what did that have to do with it? Um, yeah, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what that had to do with it, but, um, yeah, I wish I could remember that part of it, but I think that that just, I think that, I I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but anyway, I, I just think it's fascinating. It's cool to see like all the just different, you know, modern technology being able to assist people. And I, I hope that, you know, they can figure out something with cancer because cancer is just so odd. Yeah. You're like, I don't have any clue on why the hell I got it. And some people, uh, you know, might think it's because of technology or satellites or microwaves or uh, we just don't know. Yeah, your phone. Yeah, you're like, oh, put this over yeah. here. You know, we just don't. We don't know. Sucralose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope that one's not true. Right. I know. Because <laughs> damn. I know. But anyway, yeah, it was great having uh, Nick on the show today. Um, what a what a great uh, business, you know, that they started up years ago, and it's great to see the success that they've had with with RP Strength mm -hmm. and just the way he was able to, like, you know, and Seema said, pivot in 2020 you know to start putting it putting together a book after something happened like that's i can't imagine trying to stay positive through something like that 
like right. what that takes. You know, I hope I never have to do that, but you know, we have examples of somebody that, that did do it and did it very well. Yeah. It seems like he has a calm enough personality, even though he said that he can get fired up about stuff. It seems mm-hmm. like he's calm enough to mm-hmm. where he was able just to be like, Oh fuck it. I'll write a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just by talking to him, he doesn't seem like a very reactionary person. Um, but that, 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 think he mentioned about gratefulness and you mentioned that one he, one day here too before a podcast that really makes a big difference mm-hmm. peeps like it really does make a really really big difference if you're even if you're not going through something just like making it a habit to maybe every morning or something just think about multiple things you're really grateful for that you're really happy about and it can really shift how your day continues to go as as shit piles onto you mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's there's so many things to there's so many things in a, in a given day that we just, we take for granted and you know, take for granted that your car starts and just, I mean, just the list of things goes on and on and on that you have a refrigerator full of food, yep. you know, I mean, it's, and there's a lot of people that are grateful and happy with not a lot, you know, they might live in a different country and they might not have access to the same things that we have here and they're they're pretty damn pumped Mm -hmm. and then here we are getting pissed because they put too much cream in our coffee or something you know what i mean like this 4g is not fast enough yeah right and and it's gonna happen i mean it's just you know it's part of it's part of human nature it's gonna happen you're always gonna be a little disappointed with whatever the hell your current position is but these food stamps don't buy diapers (laughs) (laughs) straight up nothing can beat the feeling if someone like if you really want to eat some cereal let someone drink all the milk like oh. there you have a good reason to actually be depressed like that is depression where's the milk where's the oh. fucking milk can't drink cereal with water Mm-mm. who does that savages Pro- protein powder i'm not i've done that there's no real yeah i know and there's not really a replace i mean you can try to do stuff but it just doesn't work no there's no replacement for milk <laughs> or, or really well what about one. when somebody puts it back in the fridge though and it's like there's like nothing left in there yeah <laughs> it's like the last bits and you have to i've used that milk with I, water I a, and tried to save it but no i apologize to everyone in my household because i do that <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not i'm not i don't i my no, kids put I, stuff back completely empty i don't know why like they, they <laughs> oh, like they'll eat like the last of like a granola bar or something and i'll just be sitting there like there, there's nothing in there <laughs> oh man and so for me, like, I'm I'll, like, what? why would they do that's that? That's going to be so bad. <laughs> I'll, I'll measure stuff out and I need X amount of almond milk or whatever. And it's like, well, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to use that much extra in this recipe, it's but like I 20 also, calories. I can't throw it away because I'm cheap. So it's <laughs> going right back in. I mean, and I will go back and use it myself. But if somebody else, you know, it's like, really? Really, Stephanie, bless you for dealing with this. Yeah, I think you need to like kind. pour it into like a glass or something so that everyone can kind of see how low it is. The, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a small glass. Well, the, the carton should have like a window. You yeah, know, yeah. Like that has the level mm-hmm. that's, that's visible. Yeah, like they do on like the big five quart oil jugs. They have like a line that shows <laughs> right. how much is left. It's dwindled down. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to take us on out of here, Andrew? <laughs> on that note. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for checking out today's episode. Again, please hit that like button if you guys appreciate today's episode. Huge shout out to Element Electrolytes. I was sipping on some uh, throughout this whole episode. For more information on them, please hit the, uh, the link down in the YouTube and Facebook description, as well as the podcast show notes. Or just uh, head over to drinklmnt.com slash power project. Check out the value bundles because that's like buying uh, three boxes for the, or sorry, 
getting four boxes for the price of three. On top of that, you get free shipping. Hit us up at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram, at MB Power Project on Twitter. Uh, yeah, LinkedIn, Facebook, all over the place. My Instagram is at I am Andrew Z. And Seema, where you at? By the way, Mark uh, and Andrew, good call uh-huh. on the chocolate electrolytes and the protein powder. It yeah, it works does. pretty damn good, it's, right? It's like, so good. You wouldn't have expected that. Gives it like a caramel flavor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a salted like chocolate caramel flavor. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. It was dope. I had it like, I don't know, three days ago. It was really good. But at Nsima Inyang on Instagram and YouTube, at Nsima Inyang on Twitter, Mark. At Mark Smelly Bell. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness never a strength. Catch y'all later.